Life Audio. Coming up on Encouragement for You, Christian psychiatrist Dr. Frank Minrith talks about post-traumatic stress disorder and the late Tony Dyer shares perspectives on overcoming substance abuse. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, has become increasingly common in a world filled with violence, stress, and disasters. The late Dr. Frank Minrith was an authority on the subject, and his discussion with host Don Hawkins follows. Let's go right to the phones. Uh, Wendy is our first caller. Yes, um, when I was eight years old, um, my one-and-a-half-year-old brother... Uh, we were cleaning out the garage, and he picked up a gas can and drank gasoline. Mm. And um, we were rushing into Parkland Hospital, and it was my mother and I. And yeah. my mother told me to put my finger down his throat as an eight-year-old. And he vomited gasoline and blood in my lap. And later on, he, he passed away mm. at Parkland. Yeah. And um, I heard the doctor at Parkland say that's the worst thing you could have ever done. And I'm 40 years old now, and I have not gotten past that. And I I, I do feel like that is a post-traumatic stress um, problem, just because it was a traumatic event when I was a young child. Sure, Wendy, yeah. And it was was my little brother. (laughs) Yeah, and... and And and, and, and it was you, my, I felt like it was my fault because and, my mother told me, take your finger down his throat. Sure. You were eight years old. You did what your mother told you to do. You did the best you could. And I, I'm, I'm just so glad you called I've heard that tonight. before, and I just, it just doesn't seem to... It's just, you hear that voice in the back of your mind saying you, just, you did the wrong thing, you did the worst thing. You keep hearing that doctor, I right? Just, I keep hearing that. Well, Wendy, Wendy while, first of all, we, we just want to tell you uh, how sad we feel for you. 
not only for losing your brother, but just for all the pain and, and stress and hurt that you felt over the years. And I just want to thank you for calling us. I, I want to also share something personal with you, if I could. Uh, this is the birthday, uh, the 22nd birthday of my grandson who died February 16th. And, uh, you know, he, he is with the Lord, but we, we miss him greatly. And it's just, uh, you know, when, when you've suffered a loss like that, um, those things just, uh, they stay with you. And, and I know that you're feeling that pain. And, and, and yet, uh, Frank, there, there is hope. Uh, for overcoming those voices that keep telling us it's your fault. So, uh, what do you have to share with Wendy, Frank? Oh, Wendy, it's so good to hear from you. My heart just goes out to you. It just takes up my own heart to hear that. Wendy, it, it's, it wasn't your fault. You couldn't have helped it. Let me tell you something you might write down that you can read, and, it, and hopefully it will help you. Um, I wrote a little book in 2004 on depression. Happiness is a lifestyle. And there's a chapter in there, Wendy, on grief. When we look at when we lose people, we tend to look at it from a human standpoint. And then what I do is get some scripture verses to, to sort of look at it from a different standpoint. And just one you might really enjoy, Wendy, is Psalms 31, verse 15. My times are in thy hand. So we do all we can to, to you know, save people. But ultimately, with a Christian, you know, it's God's call. He'll he'll make the call. I know God didn't want that, but but just the, the, we can't we can't extend life. It, yeah. it, and Wendy, it just wasn't your fault. It, yeah. it wasn't anything you could do. Right. You were a little kid. You didn't know. And even if you hadn't done that, Wendy, there, there's a good chance that he would not have lived. And yeah. but I'm so sorry for you and. And Don, Les, would you pray for her, please? Yeah, I would love to pray for you, Wendy. I want to want to just share one other thought with you, if I could, Wendy, that may be of help, and and that is that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world that's paying the price for sin, and and sin goes all the way back to the beginning of the human race, to Adam and Eve, and it tells us in Romans five twelve that death passes on everybody, and, and it happens to little children. It happens to teenagers and young people in the prime Ooh. of life. It happens to adults. It, it happens uh, to all of us. And, and yet, God's desire is to restore for us. And, and I firmly believe that because of your faith in Jesus Christ and, and because your little brother was, was a little fella, that you are going to meet that little brother in heaven and he's gonna he's gonna put his hand out to you, and he's gonna say, "Wendy, it wasn't your fault." He's thirty something, you know, years old now. You right. know, I just remember the the date the date that he died. Yeah. I was talking about the post traumatic part. Yeah, that part is very you know, traumatic. Yeah, just, yeah, you know, it was it was the right. post traumatic part yeah. of it that sure. affects me. It's just yeah, it was a a trauma to mm-hmm. to to myself. Yes. And, he died in my arms. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that is hugely traumatic. <laughs> yeah, and Wendy, I, I want to make a recommendation to you. You may want to talk about some options for dealing with that post-traumatic stress. When somebody has suffered with post-traumatic stress for as long as you have, and and it's just <sighs> been there and been there and been there and hanging over you like a <sighs> dark cloud, uh, there is hope, and, and it's not an easy thing to do. But I want to tell you, uh, there there are some opportunities and options available that I just want to encourage you. Uh, again, I know you have that number, okay? 
Well, let me pray oh, with you. Once and for all would be great. Okay. All right. dealt, it's not waving a magic wand, I'll tell you that, but but it through a process of working through a program that deals with the medical and the emotional and the spiritual aspects of your post-traumatic stress, uh, you can experience freedom from this. So let's pray about it, and then you put feet to your prayer and make that call, okay? Lord, yes, thank you so much that Wendy called us. What a privilege it is, Lord. Even to know that what she's been through is not something that you cannot experience hope and healing and restoration from. And I pray that you would would free Wendy from this bondage that she's been through of, of, of somehow being convinced that the words that doctor spoke on the spur of the moment were true and that somehow she as an eight-year-old is responsible for her brother's death. Lord, set her free through the truth. You've promised in your word that the truth will set us free. Lord, we desire that for Wendy, and I pray that as she gets information about uh, what can be done to help her, that she would be able to to make the decisions and, and get the help that she needs. And I thank you that you've provided that kind of help and hope. And so we just commit her to your care. In Jesus' name, amen. Wendy, mm, we are, so we're so glad you called. Will you make that call? Yes, sir. Okay. I will. We're praying for you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Let's go to the phones in Illinois where Dan is listening. Hello, Dan. Hi. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Um, you know, I, I grew up, uh, I was sexually molested as a kid by two different people, not in the family. And uh, so then I became a drug addict, and uh, that was, you know, it, it, that spanned for about 20 years. And then, you know, I found the Lord. And um, I'll tell you something. I, I struggle with it, and I looked up PTSD on, on the Internet, and I definitely have those symptoms. And I struggle with trying to keep, you know, my sanity, but it gets easier all the time. It, it sounds like, uh, Frank, that what Dan is sharing with us is, is sort of what often happens with people with post-traumatic stress disorder, especially where they're just sort of trying to, to deal with it from day to day, maybe just gaining a little insight, a little counseling, dealing with the spiritual issues. And, and uh, that is certainly one strategy. Uh, another strategy is to take that intensive approach where you go into a, a treatment program and, and get some intensive treatment over a period of time and, and see remarkable contrast. You might talk about those two options, Frank, if you will. Well, the, the, bro, the brain can slowly be reprogrammed, and Dan, that's what you've done. You came to know Christ. You've been growing in Christ. How many years now, my friend, have you, have you been growing in Him? Well, just really since 05. Well, that's wonderful. That's so it, just in three years three now, years, you, yeah. you, you sort of reprogrammed over some of the pain, and so you just you keep memorizing Scripture, keep growing in Him. Then it wouldn't hurt if you if you have a lot of, do you have flashbacks and dreams and things like that or not? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, you know, what Every happens, day. Dan, there's, there's part of the brain called the hippocampus limbic brain. And if you get atrophy from severe fear, some of the cells will, will die off. Mm. And, and then the memories will not, uh, they just won't, they won't go away. And so sometimes giving medicine, we have medicine today that will make those cells regenerate to some degree. And you, you may need to look at that. So there's just all kinds of things we do. And then you might want to chat with your doctor. And by all means, Dan, you keep growing in Christ. We'll be back with more after a brief word from our sponsors. And don't forget to listen for Dawn's live weekend talk show in 
Encouragement Live, heard Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central Time on American Family Radio and other radio stations around the country, as well as on the worshipchannel.org. From his own experience, the late Tony Dyer became an authority on overcoming substance abuse, and he provided curriculum for a number of substance abuse treatment centers. He joins host Don Hawkins to talk about how anyone can overcome substance abuse in their life. One of the reasons why people say they love drugs is because it makes me feel good. It makes them feel good. It, uh, it makes them laugh. It makes them be happy. It yeah. makes them... Uh, have a great time. But on the other side of that, uh, that love side, there's that hate side. And then, then they say, well, I really hate drugs. And yeah. the reason I hate drugs is because, uh, it doesn't make me feel good very long. There's always yeah. a coming down after you use drugs. There's always that depression. There's mm-hmm. always that time where you feel bad. And for those who drink or or all, any kind of drug, it doesn't matter, to become physically ill, physically sick, uh, headaches, yeah. all kinds of things go with it. But So on one hand, they're saying, boy, I love it, and while they're using the drugs, they feel great. But unfortunately, they begin to hate it uh, the next morning or even that evening when they realize how bad they feel or yeah. they realize how much trouble it's gotten themselves into. So that's one way they can uh, love drugs and hate drugs at the same time. But the second reason why they love drugs is because they, they believe it gives them this self-confidence. They, they feel stronger. They, they can talk more. They're, they're more friendly. They're not as withdrawn. And, and so this drug gives them a, a false sense of confidence and of assurance. And yet, very quickly, the reason they begin to hate the same drugs they loved just before that is because after a while, that feeling of confidence and assurance uh, begins to wane, and they begin to feel very lonely and out of place. And once more, they begin to feel down and, and of course, depression. One of the things that often follows drug use is this deep, dark sense of depression, Don. And so while they say, I love it because it gives me confidence, they turn right around the next day or the next week uh, after perhaps a two- or three-day binge, and they say, I can't stand this, I hate this because I feel so out of place or because I feel so lonely or depressed, and you know nothing has really ever changed. Yeah. Tony, there's a third reason why people love drugs and hate drugs. Well, the third reason, Don, is because it uh, gives them uh, this sense that they can date more, that they can be more sociable. It gives them this uh, almost this Hulk kind of uh, transformation. Why? Well, I can do anything. You know, I can ask someone out to to, to the movie. I can ask someone out to, to go eat. And yet, uh, very quickly after those drugs wear off, or that drink wears off, or that pill wears off, they soon realize that uh, they're more uncomfortable than they ever were before. Tony, the fourth of these ten reasons why people love and hate drugs. You know, Don, this was written uh, uh, to me from someone that I love very much, but the fourth reason that they wrote why I love drugs, 
was because they, they thought it made them be able to stand up and speak up. Mm. They, they were a shy kind of person, but when yeah. they had a, a beer or two down them or a couple of pills down them or a little pornography down mm. them or whatever, yeah. then they were able to, to stand up and uh, and take a stand and be strong and, and, you know, and be like everybody else. But the other side of that is they began very soon to realize that they hated drugs because of how they began to feel yeah. and, and really understand that uh, it didn't make them strong. It, it didn't make them courageous. It didn't make them say things that uh, they would normally have. As a matter of fact, yeah. it made them say things that they would not have said uh, without the influence of drugs. Yeah. So uh, they love them on one hand, uh, make me say, make me be strong. But on the other yeah. hand, they came to realize to know that uh, it really was making them be and do and become something they didn't want to be, become, or do. Again, it starts off in a very positive way, making you feel like you can be very articulate and strong, but it's a false sense of strength that soon is undermined. The only real strength comes from the Lord, and you don't get that strength out of a bottle, out of a can, from pills, uh, from drugs, from injections, or anything else. Absolutely. Uh, The fifth reason, Tony. Number five, Don, is because uh, people love drugs because they believe that it'll make them more like everybody else. You know, the old saying, everybody's doing it. Uh, Well, that's what they think. You know, everybody's drinking, so let's go drink. I'm going to be part of the crowd. I'm going to be accepted. Mm. Uh, I'm going to be able to drive the Beamer. I'm going to have people like me. Uh, uh, I'm going to be a leader. But then yet they realize shortly Mm. that they begin to hate the drugs because the truth is that uh, people don't really like them because they drink. Yeah. People don't don't like them any less or more uh, because they drink or uh, and they they do drugs. Uh, people like you because of who you are and what you right. are just just by yourself. You don't need to drink. You don't need to drug. And yet uh, they develop this love hate relationship because. They thought they could be like everybody else and be accepted when really just the opposite takes place, and they begin to hate the drug. Deep down in their heart, they begin to hate it because it makes them, Don, this is so important, Don, Mm -hmm. it makes them become something that they really don't want to be. Tony, we have about uh, six or seven minutes to deal with these other five principles. Let's see if we can work through them. All right, number six, uh, why I love drugs is because they believe in their love for it that it'll make all their troubles go away, and yet we understand that it just causes more trouble with the, with the police, uh, with your job, with your family, with your finances, with your children. Uh, so you, on the one hand, you love it because uh, it's going to make everything go away. It's going to make everything yeah. become good, and yet the truth is it makes everything yeah. become wrong, and it makes everything worse. Uh, number seven. Mm. Why I love drugs. Uh, well, people will love them because they say I can really uh, get up and, and, and start the day mm. uh, with a bang, and I'm looking forward to uh, And, of course, many people start drugs early in the morning, start drinking by noon, start using drugs mm. by noon, and, and I, I have to make it through the day when the truth of the matter is that uh, this hate, this hate relationship becomes is that they always feel bad. They always feel down. It doesn't matter if they start in the morning or at 12 or 2 or 3 or 4 or whatever. Mm -hmm. The truth is they have to take more drugs during the day to keep on feeling better. 
so that's how that love-hate relationship yeah. comes through. So that's yeah. number, number six seven. and uh, mm-hmm. number seven. Yeah, and and Tony, just a comment here as we think about everybody wants to feel up. People want to feel positive. They want to feel optimistic, and and somehow there's this myth out there that there is a pill, there is a drug, there is a medication, and I really can't feel up without it. Right, and and that is a myth. That is a lie. And again, John ten ten says that Satan's yes. goal is to steal and to kill and to destroy. destroy. And so often he uses those addictions, but Jesus has. As an alternative, and he's come to give you life and give it yes. to you more abundantly. Number eight, Tony. And Don, how many times have we heard this one, why I love drugs? Uh, it's because, mm. well, I, if I do drugs, if I drink, I'm not going to be depressed. Yeah. I'm not going to feel so down. I'm not going to feel so lonely. And yet uh, they come to a point of realizing how much they really hate the drugs yeah. because they, they feel even more lonely. They feel even more depressed. Yeah. They feel even uh, uh, more without hope. And the hopelessness continues to grow and and spiral downward. And there's a ninth of reason why people love drugs, and it's because they have this idea that I can be cool, mm. you know, and uh, I can uh, drive the cars, and everybody, uh, all the girls are going to like me, or all the guys mm. are going to like me, or I'm going to get this job promotion because I'm going to fit in with everyone else. And yet, uh, when they begin to really realize that they're not going to get that promotion, they're not going to get that particular job, they're not going to get that particular boyfriend or girlfriend because they've been uh, drinking, uh, they begin to have this hate relationship with it because they realize that this drinking and drugging really has done nothing for them but really turned them away from those opportunities that they could have had had they not used. Yeah. And then number 10, if you want to go ahead and go yeah, to that. Let's get that I, last one. Yeah, why, why? Why, do I, why do I love drugs? And uh, it's because I feel like uh, I can just live and live forever, and uh, I, I am invincible. You know, how many times have I seen teenagers in youth work in the 20-something years I spent in youth work when they begin to drink or take pills? Yeah. They feel invincible, and they get in the car and have a wreck mm-hmm. or in the fight and, and our name for life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com editing by phil gebers production by elizabeth andrade if you enjoyed what you heard today we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review it really does help people find us let me take just a second to thank the team at life audio for their partnership with us on encouragement for you if you go to lifeaudio.com you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? 
Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.